Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Luke Anderson, astronaut. A man barely interesting. I also uh, went to a school dance with a girl that watched Titanic, I think, 17 times in the theater. It was a different time back then. Will Darkens, hot air balloon attendant, frightened by technology. There's HBO Hot, where it's like, you watch it, and you're like, wow, she's dangerous. I'm into that. We have the capability to build the 33rd best radio show in Portland. On Saturdays, about sports. The Sinner and the Saint will be that show. Better than they were before. Funnier. Sportsier. More Labradoodles. On 1080, The Fan. All right, we made it to hour two. We made it. Yay! If you anything from hour one, you can go to 1080thefan.com. Get yourself the Les Schwab Tires podcast. It'll be available after the show, so you can do that. So don't skip, don't skip hour two to go back and listen to hour one. That'd be stupid. We don't want you to do that. Also, we reminded you that the uh, 1080 The Fan Golf Classic coming back. So go to 1080thefan.com. You can register right there for that. All the details are on there. That'll be fun. Sitting in with me for Will. Will Darkin's still in Hawaii, still making us all feel bad about our lives, sitting here with this was a really nice week, and then it switches and drops 30 degrees from one day to the next. Yeah, if you could swap out the midweek weather for the weekend weather and just do a little shuffle, that'd be nice. Now you're talking, but uh, but Will will be back next week. Ryan uh, Buckley, uh, Buck, the new producer for Dusting Camp, sitting in with me. Um, thank you, sir, for doing that. Certainly. We have to move into some um, upsetting news. Ooh. I know, it's tough, but apparently um, the fans in Utah are mean. Yeah. They're bullies. They were bullying poor uh, Russ Westbrook last night. So if you didn't catch it, the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, the team that built a champion overnight by adding a uh, a all-star player in Carmelo Anthony uh, via trade, or via, yeah, via trade, and then you had... Uh, uh, Paul George come in. Now you got Playoff a three, three-headed monster. Playoff P. What do you have, six points? Seven points? Last yeah, night? it's not a good thing to nickname yourself before you've won a playoff series. Well, he'd won with Indiana. No, no, he had. I mean, well, but he anyway. brings out the nickname and then doesn't win his first-round series. Yeah, and and I know that the Blazers had a very disappointing finish to their season. And going into the playoffs, they had momentum. They had the 13-game win streak. But before the season, when this Oklahoma City team was built, I don't think there were a whole lot of teams that had a higher expectation of kind of a turnaround. Obviously, everybody expects that the Warriors are going to stay at the top. And then you have, you know, Houston. I don't think it's a huge surprise with Chris Paul. But I thought, I really thought that Oklahoma City at some point during the season, you would just see them kind of get things going. And they never really did. And now a first-round exit. 
Yeah, especially with the Spurs falling off too. I think you were kind of expecting like Warriors, Rockets, Spurs to be the trifecta at the top there in the in the West, and then you got the the Kawhi Leonard drama and everything falls apart. And really, it seems like that that three four spot was going to be there for the taking, and it could be dominated by the Thunder if they could use some of that experience to their advantage. But really, it was what Russell Westbrook being Russell Westbrook and. Paul George occasionally finding some moments and Carmelo really not finding any moments. One thing that I can kind of uh, find a solace in all of this tragedy for the poor Oklahoma City Thunder because oh, it just hurts my heart to see him not win. But I think what Russell Westbrook is doing right now as an individual player is he's finally going to make the NBA realize that the triple-double doesn't really matter. He's going to eliminate the importance of the... Nobody's going to look back on it. If he has another season next year, we assume that Carmelo Anthony will be back. He has a player option. He'll make $28 million if he takes that option. Oh, my God. I mean, versus, can you imagine owing that guy $28 million after what he did Versus leaving do? and trying to get uh, equal value on the open market. So he's... Good luck. You're stuck with him. And Paul George is a free agent, unrestricted, can do whatever he wants. I mean, if Blazer fans thought having Evan Turner's contract was bad, yeah. imagine having $28 million to pay Carmelo Ooh, Anthony. But, well, guess what? That's what the Blazers wanted last year. I know. Yeah. So, uh, this offseason will be tumultuous for them. But I think if you have if you have Russ Westbrook continue to play like he does and have another season averaging a triple-double and keep getting triple-doubles like they matter, people are just going to be like, oh, guess what? They're not that impressive, and they don't help you win basketball games. And maybe, just maybe, we can stop going, hallelujah, it's a triple-double and celebrating it and all that. So I think that's great. Well, and I love the irony of the triple-double, too, because I think – the reason there was so much emphasis put on it initially is because it's supposed to show you being a well-rounded good teammate. Where you thank you, and you watch the way that yeah. Russ and he says he doesn't, but he obviously does. The way he chases those triple doubles, yeah. the last game of the season he needed sixteen, 16 boards. Rebounds. He goes yeah. out and gets twenties, boxing out his own teammates, yeah. and you see what it takes to put up triple doubles like that every night. And it's a selfish effort. It's supposed to be an unselfish stat. Exactly. Exactly. So it's kind of reversing it. Plus with the long rebounds you get from three point shooting the way it is, it's just the NBA has changed and it, it is, it's no longer all that impressive to do it. Um, but the other thing about this series, and this won't necessarily uh, be an indictment on the thunder. Utah's a fun team to watch. Donovan Mitchell's amazing. He's really fun to watch. He's real well, and, and it's a defensive oriented team. And you add in a rookie who leads the team in scoring. He's putting up numbers that are compared to one other dude, and that's Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And you have him Pretty just good going company. out. Yeah, and 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 you were mentioning this before the show, Buck, but it's you can see room for improvement in his offensive game. Yep. That's the crazy thing about this is Utah's very exciting. And I know that it was lost in the Portland series that the Pelicans are extremely exciting. These are two young teams that I would like to see play in the next round. Yep. But they're playing against the Rockets, and they're playing against the Warriors, and I do not have a lot of faith that they're going to put up all that much of a fight. Now, I hope they do, and I hope that I'm wrong. So I'm excited for game ones in those series, but I... I just still think that you're probably going to see the better teams come out as victors, which will in turn make the Blazers look worse and make the Thunder look worse, which is what I think is going to happen. Hope I'm wrong. Yeah, I can see that 
definitely happening. It'll be interesting with the Golden State series to see what Steph Curry looks like. Um, he's supposed to be about 50-50 for today. They haven't actually announced yet, yep. at least not that I've seen whether he's going to play or not. That game's not till So they're going to have to manage with just Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson and and, uh, and you know Draymond Green. Those poor, those poor, those yeah. Poor Although what we've seen in the past is that Curry is kind of what makes them go against the teams that are really going to push them. I don't think the Spurs really pushed them at all. No. Um, and he, when he came back from his MCL injury, the same or a similar injury at least to what he had the year they lost in the finals, he wasn't the same one-on-one guy. He couldn't, couldn't create his own shot. And I think you're going to need a little bit of his mojo. I mean, they, they could probably still beat the Pelicans in six or seven games without Steph, I think. But it'll be a more entertaining series, and you got to at least give the Pelicans a puncher's chance if he doesn't look like himself. I don't know. I hope so. I hope you're right. But again, I just I feel like going into it because Kevin Durant turned it up a notch. In yeah, the he playoffs. did. So did Clay Thompson. When Clay Thompson's one of those guys. Although and we've you, seen it. He can score thirty points in like six minutes. I'll have to find it. But did you see Draymond Green's mom tweeting at Kevin Durant that he needs to bring the fire that he brought last year? <laughs> No. As if the Green family didn't talk enough. Mama Green uh, yeah, he is tweeting it. at Kevin Durant yeah. saying, I need to see that fire from you yeah. like I saw last year. We know where he learned it, which is absolutely yeah. fantastic. So, But here's here's my big fear with these NBA playoffs. And, and it's already happened a little bit in Portland. I think a lot of people have moved on from it because of the way the Blazers performed. The only team to be swept in the first round. And I'm not saying that to rub it in, but I think a lot of people turned away. Uh, you have you have Utah, you have the Pelicans, are these young teams. I still think the Warriors are great. I think it'll be interesting to see if the Rockets can get over that hump. Because if, if it ends up being Rockets-Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, to me, that's fantastic. If it ends up being any other combination, I think that's good too. I don't, out, out of the four teams that have advanced in the West, I... I don't have really have a problem with with any of them representing because if you have any of the two underdogs, it's going to be a crazy Cinderella story to get through the Warriors and the Rockets. It's set up I, for I good drama now. I don't think it'll happen. And and on the East side, you've got a game seven tonight where you've got Boston playing Milwaukee, and Boston is this team where you've got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and all of these guys that weren't supposed to win without their best two guys, and here they are with a chance to knock off the Bucks in the first round. And the Bucks are a team that has the Greek freak. So whoever advances there, all I think is going to be an intriguing team to watch. You've already got the Philadelphia 76ers that are through, so they'll play whoever wins Game 7 tonight. The 76ers are, of course, the story of the NBA, the process finally working, blah, 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 blah. Oh, don't get, don't get Cam started on the process. Oh, I hate the process. I can, I, yeah, don't get me started on the process. It's You're, Are you team anti-tank? Yes, it's, it's well documented that I, I would not trade the last four Four years of what the 76ers did for the team that they have now. It's just, especially in, if you're Portland and you're a city that doesn't have basketball, I just think that's too much. There are other ways to do it. Thank you. So the other, the other uh, thing, the biggest problem though, just to get back to it. So you've got the 76ers. If the Bucks can make it through, I think that's great. The Raptors, uh, they don't really do much for me. Oh my God, if the Raptors have to play the Pacers... Not only will that be the worst playoff series of this playoff, maybe any, but here's what happens if LeBron James wins. Wait. What I'll do is I will tell you what will happen that will ruin the playoffs if the Cavaliers lose. I'll do that next. Center and Saint, 1080 The Fan. All right. The NBA playoffs could be in a great deal of trouble. 
Uh, we've already seen it happen here in, in Portland. The Blazers lost. They got swept. And immediately, I think the main focus of certainly the Portland metro area went to offseason. If the Cavaliers lose Game 7 to the Indiana Pacers, not only does that put the Pacers against the Raptors in the least interesting playoff series in the history of playoff series. Yeah, that's a tough one. If LeBron James is out of the playoffs, the entire focus of the rest of the country goes to the offseason for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Nobody will care about what happens in it, regardless of how interesting the teams are, unless you get just upset, upset, upset. I don't think that there's a team in the East that you have any faith in to beat the Warriors or the Rockets, even if the Cavaliers stay in it. But the moment LeBron James leaves the playoffs, interest just wanes across the country. People are going to go immediately, what's he going to do? Because it's all in LeBron's hands. He's a free agent. He can go wherever he wants. He can do whatever he wants. The speculation is going to run wild. And I think uh, if you're TNT or ESPN and you've got NBA playoff games, it is going to be a sad day. I'm not sure people have paid enough attention to see the young stars kind of rise up across the NBA and we'll have enough interest in it. I think it'll just write in the Warriors or the Rockets, whoever it's a championship. You'll get a little blip for the Western Conference Finals, and that's about it. It's going to be a tragedy if uh, LeBron loses in the first round. Not because I care about LeBron, because I don't, but you know that everybody cares about where he's going to go. Yeah, that's the narrative that unfortunately may overshadow then the rest of the playoffs if that's the case, but hopefully there's enough intrigue in the West Coast series there that people will continue to talk about basketball a little bit, and then we can spend the next six months after that talking about where LeBron's going. Yeah, yeah, because no matter what happens, that's we're going to talk about it, it anyways. It's going to be the offseason. I mean, you already have billboards popping up all over the country f- recruiting him, which is the dumbest idea that I've yeah, ever yeah come to Portland, be the third option. I've ever heard. But the other thing is, I mean, how surprised would you be ha- having watched the Pacers Cavs series? It's been up and down, and we've seen this in the past where you've got blowouts go back and forth, but the Cavs haven't really blown out the Pacers as much as the Pacers have blown out in the in the three games that each team has won. The Cavs have kind of scraped by a little bit in their victories. And even if they win, I mean, I guess the benefit is you take on the Toronto Raptors if you win. And I didn't get a whole lot of faith from them the way they, you know, scrape by. And I guess they, you know, ended up with a 10-point victory last night. But they didn't look great against the Washington Wizards. So. No, they, they haven't looked good. And it's interesting. I, I can't tell if that's because the Wizards were a team that underachieved most of the season and shouldn't have been in the eighth spot in the first place or if the Raptors just aren't that good. I don't know the answer to that yet. <sighs> it will be... To, to me, it comes down to if, if you can get everybody else for the Cavaliers to do anything. I mean... Does LeBron James have it in him to will them to one more victory? Probably. The The interesting thing about the what you've seen from the Pacers is you've, you've seen a game from Victor Oladipo where he went out and absolutely dominated early. He had another game similar to that last night. You had Bogdanovich who had a game that was just out of this world. Mm-hmm. So they've had opportunities to step up, but you've also seen you know where they were able to kind of eliminate Oladipo yeah. from the game plan for a three-game stretch. So it's going to come down to their defense, and that's effort. And you would think if if anybody's going to be able to go and get these guys motivated from a you know a, a player standpoint, it's going to be LeBron. He's of course, have to go but out at there. the same time, you got to imagine he's been trying to do that all along. And I know that you know maybe you don't bring that out in the regular season, but some of the way that they've played, and you look at a game six, a closeout game to lose like they did. 
he can't drag these guys across the finish line with him. He's trying. I mean, it's it's remarkable to watch what he's doing. The game that he scored 44 and had eight assists, he's accounting for like two-thirds of their points. If anyone else and does anything, it doesn't have to be that close. Yeah. You yeah. know, but he's not getting any help at all. He, he went as far as to kind of call out Kevin Love in his presser last night saying – part of our success or part of our failure is going to be based on what Kevin does. Yeah. He's going to have to hit shots. He's going to have to do what he has to do. Sure. Well, and, and you can see that too. I mean, it's, it's, it's starting to wear on him too. Cause that presser last night, I wa- I went back and watched just cl- clips of it. So I didn't see it live, but you can see that he looks dejected. Yeah. And, and I mean, is there any chance that he stays in Cleveland after this season? <sighs> it's, it's tough. The thing is, he kind of cultivated this situation for himself, right? I mean, yeah. he's the one who demanded that Tristan Thompson get paid all that money, and now he's not able to contribute. Well, he's he's the guy who he, he, he wanted on the bench and to the tabloids. He he brought he brought in Kevin Love. Kevin Love hasn't delivered what he needed. He jettisoned Kyrie Irving, and I know Kyrie's been hurt, but he has played GM and constructed this team around him that now he's going to hate so much that he leaves it. Well, yeah, and then they rebuilt it on the fly during the season. I mean, trying to add yeah. all those pieces back in and it's funny because he's kind of using that as a little bit of a built-in excuse. He's like, well, yeah, it's tough. I mean, Indiana's been together all, all year and we, we built this team in February, so... I love that most GMs would have to answer for that, but LeBron's never going to have to answer for it. You know, I mean, he he's essentially played that role for that team for a couple of years. He's... He's forced a couple guys out. He's forced some new blood in. And he's never really going to have to answer for it because he's always going to be the guy that's coveted. That's a fair point. I mean, but why wouldn't he be? And it, it, Oh, of course. I, my big curiosity with LeBron is, is he learning any lessons from these failures? Because he's had so much success. I don't think he learned anything when he was with the Miami Heat. They never really did anything to improve the team. If anything, they kept the core three together, and then the rest of the team around them just got older, so yep. they lost their first and their fourth. And then with the the Cavaliers, he, he kind of tried to orchestrate things a little bit differently, but it still got to the point where he's alienated so much of his team that he had to turn it over. I mean, to to run Kyrie Irving out by by continuously being so tone deaf that you don't realize that the little brother bit is getting under his skin. If he goes to another team, I, I know we like to say it, but it's like you're automatically a championship contender if you get LeBron. Is he making teams championship teams, or is he making them good enough to get to the finals? And how big of a difference is that? I mean, obviously you take LeBron, but you still need another piece. Right? It's, it's not LeBron going like if he goes to the Phoenix Suns, that doesn't make them no, a championship no. team. If he goes to a good team and gets to be a piece on that team, but is he willing to do that? Yeah, and I think that's why you're seeing the rumblings that that Philly could actually be the place for him because they have some pieces there that are young enough and good enough that he, but they're not established enough that he couldn't still go there and be the leader. Because I think yeah. he obviously is going to be the guy wherever he goes, but he needs enough help at his age and with what he's been having to do year in and year out for 15 years that you need more support than he has, but you can't have so much support that he's not the guy. Would it be better for him not to be the guy? Like it may be, it may be. He can never relinquish that. Right. I mean, he, it's, it, as long as he plays, what he's he's going to be a role player. Is he going to be a guy that comes off the bench? He's never going to do it. Well, no, right no. Thing. But but even being able to, you know, just go. All right, let me know when you need me. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I don't see that being in his DNA. There. But if you go to Philadelphia, I think that's what you have to do. I mean, the, right. the, the, the remarkable thing about the way Philadelphia is winning, the entire NBA is shooting more three point shots everywhere. 
Philadelphia has three-point shooters, but they have an off night, and they still win yeah. in blowout fashion in a playoff game. Ben Simmons, would you like to guess how many three-pointers he took this year? Uh, I'm going to say it's under 100. It's 11. You don't know, you, okay, I didn't you see that know how many he made out of the 11 three-pointers he took this season? Three. Zero. Wow. He took 11 three-pointers, made zero, and he's going to be rookie of the year, and he's one of the best young players. In the- Wait till that guy develops a shot. Yeah. Forget Donovan Mitchell working on his mid-range game. Wait till Ben Simmons gets a shot. You go to Philadelphia, you better not try to go in there and disrupt what they have going on because they were winning games without Joel Embiid. They were on a 16-game win streak. And I know that 13 of those games were against non-playoff teams, but they still went on a 16-game win streak, won easily in the first round against a veteran team in Miami, and they did it led by a guy that does not shoot a three-point shot, and they did it with three games without their best big. They're doing it with with Any Marco Bellinelli and making him look resurgent, yep. with J.J. Redick showing up occasionally, with Dario Saric, with all these guys. I mean, Philadelphia... Is is fantastic, but they're they're great because of Ben Simmons. Yeah, and Ben Simmons, if he's going to be the next guy, I wonder if they if they win the championship, does that put LeBron out of the question? You can't do that if you're LeBron, right? And they, I'm not saying they'll win the championship. No, I, I think it does how, though. How because good did they have to be? Hasn't LeBron been critical of other people? Like, <laughs> did, did, didn't he say Kevin Dur- the Kevin Durant thing? Well, I. The, the hilarious part is he said, I've never been part of a super team after he yeah, created he the Miami them. Heat with yeah. himself and Chris Bosh and D. Wade. But I think after being slightly critical of what the Warriors did, and maybe he would backtrack on this, but it's almost like he can't go and follow that model because it's caused so much backlash. It would it would partly ruin the NBA, though, too, at least for me a little bit, if he, if he decides to do that. But I don't know that there's necessarily a good landing spot for him because if you stay in the East, it's it's going to be kind of more of the same, right? You're not going to pick a team that's worse. He's not going to go to the, a, a team like the Raptors that's on top that if they had him would be great. But there's there's two stars pretty well established there as guards. But he's not going to go out to pasture and go with a, t- with a team that needs a total overhaul either, right? Exactly, and you can't do that either. And you can't go to the, I don't think. So where's the sweet spot? That I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe San Antonio and people say the Lakers, but why would you go to the West? Then you're not playing for finals, so you have to find a team in the East that has a good fit. I just don't know that he has enough relationships outside. Obviously, everybody wants to be around him, but is there anybody that he can really trust? You know what I mean? Like, is there a guy that has his back? Like, if he went back to Pat Riley and said, all right, Pat, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the power back and have you help build. You what if he goes me, to Miami again. Well, but what? Where again? Where is there a sweet spot for the guy? I don't I don't see a good landing spot for him. It's 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 such a bizarre thing because it seems so obvious that he fits anywhere he goes. But as I look at the landscape, there's only one spot that really makes sense, and that's Portland. But I just don't think he's gonna come here. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so either. <laughs> that may not be the red landing spot either, but uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see what we get out of this off season. And like I said, I'm afraid the off season starts as soon as the Cavs are eliminated. There's a chance for that on Sunday. Uh, we've got a great game seven tonight, which will be Milwaukee and Boston. But uh, again, you can hear that right here on 1080 The Fan. It's a very good point, Buck. You're very smart and wise to bring that up. Um, but even no matter who wins there, I don't think you have a championship team in the East, even with LeBron. So, again, it falls all back on the If West. you added LeBron, I don't know. I'd have to look at the contract situation and how it all works out. But if you added LeBron to the Bucks, is that an answer? Ooh. Giannis, Malcolm Brogdon. 
He'd have to play in Milwaukee. I don't think he wants that kind it's of. A pretty team. close to Akron. The the, the one relatively the, speaking, the, the one team that I think is a good fit, Boston. Yeah, Boston's Boston's got room to to move things around, but they'd have to go and play with Kyrie again. Cleveland brings back Kyrie and sends LeBron to Boston. Oh, there you go. Well, LeBron's a free agent, so you can just sign him up. And does he need does he need money? Like here's the like if if you're LeBron James, no matter what they pay you, you're undervalued. So. Yeah, how much do you care about how much they pay you? So he can literally go anywhere he wants. He's printing money anyway. Yeah, just give matter. me give me whatever you want. I, I, I've got a factory uh, that just prints out money for me. I'm going to be good wherever I go. We'll see what happens. We'll make our predictions on uh, the two game sevens, and we'll the we've got game ones this weekend as well. We'll make those predictions in crystal balls. We want to dive back into the draft. We'll tell you where what's happening right now in the fourth round, where some guys from the Pac-12 and locally have gone, and we'll take a look at uh, the the teams uh, that we care about, uh, Seahawks. Are you a 49ers guy? I am a 49ers I guy. I thought you were a 49ers guy. We'll take a look at uh, the NFL draft. We'll do that next. You're listening to Sinner and Saint on 1080 The Fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against my better judgment, we're going to dive in. Whoa. There you go. That's oh, this is a song. What's you? I was like, that's not That's part of the cut. That was not me. No, no, that's right. I wasn't paying that much attention. Uh, you know what's funny? The song's called Careless Talk. It's like careless. bringing me on the radio. Careless, careless with my talk. It really should be the theme song of this show. At least this edition of it. Um, against my better judgment, I I will delve into the actual judging of ranking of picks that we've seen in the NFL draft. Um, this is I, dangerous for both of us. Well, it is. Well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you first because that's really the responsible thing to do. Um, I wanted to get your kind of surprises of the first round. So Suk and I did a fair amount of talk uh, on on this yesterday. So I'll let you kind of kick things off, and we'll see where it ends up. But what was your big surprise of the first round of the NFL draft, other than the Browns? Yeah, I mean, I. Unless I, was, I, was as, I was as surprised at their second pick. I know you and I talked about this a little bit beforehand. I thought Denzel Ward might be a guy that would slip to the 49ers at nine, and he went at four, and that kind of changed everything. It allowed the Broncos to get Bradley Chubb, which is put you put him on the same pass rush as Vaughn Miller. That's a scary thing. Yeah, that is uh, – well, and, and that's the whole thing with uh, Denver, too, is, is John Elway has been – it's been interesting – he has not made a push for a quarterback because you have Josh Rosen available there. You have uh, Josh Allen available there, and they decide that they're going to go and keep building up this defense. You wonder how much of it's John Elway gone. Well, I didn't win until we had a defense. And and realizing that you build the team first and then you put in a quarterback and you're going to have a much higher success rate. But at some point, they have to have a quarterback, don't they? Well, I mean, a, I know you have a Case lot of, Keenum, See, but... that's the thing is I think a lot of – maybe John Elway as a quarterback himself is one of those guys that is lower on this draft class and doesn't think that any of these guys are going to be better than yeah. Case Keenum. And if that's the case, then this is the right move. Yeah, well, that's what you have to do. You have to evaluate not only the, the draft board, but you have to evaluate it against the talent you already have on your team. So it, it, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, that's going to be a fearsome defense, but – it was fearsome last year, and well, they win a game, three games, four games. Yeah, not great. So, anyways, yeah, I thought that was an interesting pick. So, fair point. Yeah, other surprise. I mean, I was surprised to see Josh Rosen be the last of the of the top four quarterbacks taken. I, I thought that he seemed like maybe the most NFL ready, the most polished as a passer. Um, I know that Sam Darnold kind of checked all the boxes from a physical standpoint, from the standpoint that, frankly, the Jets were looking for. But Rosen is the guy who I think has the most potential to kind of light it up and to see him go after Josh Allen, who 
was made look bad by a very average Oregon defense this year. Um, Josh Allen just doesn't have the accuracy. He's going to be a project. Everyone knows that, but why would you want the project and not the guy who can already sling it? Well, they also went out and got A.J. McCarron, who is a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be a stopgap for maybe the Browns or some other teams, and, and you know, you've seen him in limited action with the Bengals. So Yeah, I mean, I get that you have maybe the luxury of playing McCarron first before you develop Allen, but... Rosen's just the guy that I would want. Maybe you don't want him in Buffalo because you think he's not going to like it in Buffalo. He's an L.A. kid, and and you you have reservations about who he is individually. But, man, Josh Allen didn't didn't show a lot that inspires that he's going to be good anytime soon. Oh, trust me, I believe. He's a he's a combine guy for sure. And, uh, you know, the guy that popped in my head is Jeff George. You know, it's a guy that throws That's the ball a good all the way across the field but really never found a home. He got a lot of opportunities but never was able to, you know, you know, you know who it was for me, and this is a name that, I'm sure most football fans are not going to be familiar with anymore, but as a 49ers fan, Niners passed on Jake Plummer mm-hmm. for Jim Druckenmiller. Jim, Jim Druckenmiller. <laughs> and he, he was the Josh Allen. He had the body. He had the arm. Yeah. He had all the tangible physical stats. And Bill Walsh warned the Niners. He goes, Jake Plummer can win games. I don't know about Druckenmiller. Yeah. And they drafted Druckenmiller. Well, that, it's funny when people fall in love with size and big arms and the Seahawks have their own uh, Rick Meyer draft you, yep. know, that you can go back to. But uh, it's the nice, the, the nice thing. The thing about Rosen being picked uh, by the Cardinals is good for him. Like that's a much better landing spot. The Cardinals were an eight and eight I think last that's year. The, that's the best thing that could have happened to Rosen. Yeah, so so it's funny because you look at the draft from from two different angles and you kind of go, oh, I can't believe that he fell down there. And and he first thing he comes up, they made nine mistakes. Well, you know what? Oh, uh, hold on one second. There are nine mistakes made ahead of me, and I um, I will make sure over over the next decade or so that they they will uh, they will know that they made a mistake. Well, I'll tell you what, it's going to be a lot easier to make that come true playing for the Cardinals than it is playing for the Browns. No question. Playing for the Jets. Playing for the Bills. Rosen easily has the best situation ahead of him. Well, it'll be interesting, but they have a brand new head coach, so we don't know. That's true. We don't know exactly what we're going to see in Arizona, but they do have a team around him. What they've him. surrounded him with. Yep. Yeah. So so I, I think he has the best opportunity out of all of those guys to go, eh, maybe Sam Darnold, but to go in and compete for that uh, day one starting job. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see because Sam Bradford is not a guy that puts a lot of faith in me. And you have Josh no. McCown in, in New York. So I think those are the two guys that can go in. I think that Cleveland and I think that Buffalo are both going to kind of start with their veteran guys. I think you're going to see Tyrod Taylor probably be your starter in Cleveland on day one. And I think you're probably going to have uh, A.J. McCarron as your starter in Buffalo. I think not, that's fair. Not Not to say anything against the guys coming in, but listen, I – this is just what I would do as a coach. Yep. I would protect Baker Mayfield, and I would make sure I put him in when he's as ready as he can possibly be because you've invested so much of your future. You went out on a limb to take that guy. If you're Hugh Jackson, you've won one game in 32 tries. Listen, you can lose eight more and then put him in and get people excited. And it's it's I, I know I made the tanking joke earlier, but it's like – even if you even if you throw everything you have at this year, you're not winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. So sit back and make sure he's as ready as he can possibly. Tyler Taylor's a good quarterback and can win you some games. Yep. Maybe maybe not the Browns because they're awful, but you could you can play him as long as you need to. They also signed Drew Stanton, and now with Baker Mayfield, the funny thing is they have three quarterbacks on their roster. 
and uh, that makes uh, 31 quarterbacks that they've had since 1999, which is which is really amazing. And no matter who starts for the Browns, it will be a new starter this year. It's unbelievable. It is absolutely unbelievable. Uh, anything else that jumped out at you from the first round other than uh, kind of Rosen dropping? I think that was a big one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I really like that Derwin James to the Chargers pick. I mean, just having watched him a little bit at Florida State, he's an outstanding defender, and they – have an already great secondary there in San Diego. That's going to be pretty nasty to go against. And uh, you know who's uh, working for the San Diego? Or, oh, the Los, Los Angeles, Angeles. Did I Char- say San Diego? I don't know. I almost did, yeah. though. The Los Angeles Chargers, you know who's on their defensive staff? Gus Bradley, the uh-huh. architect of the Legion of Boom. So it, it that they're starting to look rather menacing. And, and that's... A, Another team that I think was uh, better than expected last year, and uh, they they um, they haven't had the fan base that you would want. No, they haven't they really haven't. inspired Los Angeles to go and root for it. But San Diego can it's be what a happens team to when reckon. you charge they're, they're, hundred dollars for parking <laughs> at Did a soccer you see those stadium. Signs? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, listen, it's L.A. That's it's a whole thing. It's they're two years from having that new stadium built, so it's going to be that way for a little while. And I think the Chargers play the Rams this year at the Coliseum, and uh, they've kind of relied on uh, visiting fans to fill up both of their stadiums. So I wonder how many people actually show up for L.A. versus L.A. That will be curious to me. Um, but the, the Chargers, yeah, their defense is looking mean. I'll throw this to you. Everybody knows I'm a Seahawks fan, and I apologize to all of you for that weekly. Um, what did you think of the Rashad Penny move? You know what? It's a tough one to evaluate. I think it's tough to evaluate any of the guys that aren't coming from a Power 5 school considering who they played against, but he did everything you would have wanted him to do in the position that he was in at San Diego State. He broke records. He looked like an animal in bowl games against other top teams. I liked him as a player in college, but it's hard to evaluate him against a guy like you know Darius Geis, who went much later because of some red flag issues, but everyone says is more, you know, has more of an NFL body, is more NFL ready. You know, I know that you've got Sonny Michelle that went to the Patriots a couple picks later. He's kind of more of a do-it-all back, and I, I know in Penny they're looking for a guy who can be kind of an every-down back, and I think he could be the guy, but what the pundits are saying is they didn't need to draft him where they did. So I don't yeah. know that part of it. Yeah, and when there was a report, uh, Bob Condota from Seattle Times said yesterday, which here's the thing about the NFL draft. You should get so many rumors going in that you can't really believe anything. And we we were told explicitly that Baker Mayfield was coming out as the number one pick. And we watched the Vegas lines uh, change dramatically overnight. And everybody was still shocked when he was picked. Bob Condota came out after round one and said that as soon as the Seahawks made the Rashad Penny pick, another team called them to offer a trade. Now, I can't believe that necessarily either, but it feels very... A trade for Penny? Yes. They called up and they said, we want... Th- that's... No! That's our guy! Immediately after they made the pick. Uh, John Schneider and and Pete Carroll were over the moon about the pick. And we kind of went through this a little bit uh, yesterday with, with Suk and I, but how much of this just feels like you have a kind of a, a grasp on on this dynasty just slipping away as fast as it possibly can through your fingers. And you have John Schneider who has been, you know, lauded as this draft guru who hasn't hit on a pick in, you know, four year four three or four years. And I wonder how much of what you're hearing out of Seattle is just them trying to cover their own asses. Well, you better love your first round pick. So I, I, I think that their enthusiasm is probably legitimate. 
whether they believe that their window is closing or not, because with that pick, you have to be. Yeah, I just think they have to defend it to their fans. And yeah, they, well, they, not only do they have to be enthusiastic, they kind of have to be right, too, because Pete, no Carroll's, Pete Carroll's 66. And if Pete goes, I'm guessing John Schneider goes, too. So it, it'll be a very interesting season for the Seahawks and seeing what they have. And especially with your team, the 49ers, and kind of the way they're coming up in the West. If Arizona can put anything together. Well, uh, and the Rams, what they did last year. Oh, yeah. And just forget about the Rams. I mean, it's going to be, that is going to be a meat grinder of a division. But the beautiful thing about the NFL is everything that we think is going to happen will be completely flipped on its head by week four. It'll be entirely different and backwards by the time we get to the midseason mark in week eight. And by the time you get to the end of the season, you'll be like, I think the Eagles, even without Carson Wentz, might have a chance to do something in the playoffs. And then they'll win the stinking Super Bowl. So I don't know who had the Eagles winning it last year, but everything we know is probably wrong. And I think that's as good a segue to move into crystal balls as there is. So we will make our predictions next. This is the Sinner and the Saint on 1080 The Fan. So we've almost, almost made it through the show, Buck. What's your uh, Sinner and Saint experience been so far? Is this a, a delightful romp through the sporting world or what? It's been delightful on my end. I don't know if I can speak for the listeners, but I, I've enjoyed it. Well, here's the nice thing is uh, we don't really care about the listeners here. We don't have to hear from them. We can speak to them, but we don't have to hear from them. Yeah, it, it, it's very much a one-way conversation. We're talking at them, not with them. Now, they get to throw things up on the text line. And I so always, enjoy that. I yeah. always appreciate it. But, yeah, well, listen, we're just yelling at them, and they can take it or leave it. You've got to dial. Change it if you don't like what I'm saying, jerks. <laughs> no, I love you. Don't go. No, I'm just I'm kidding. Come back. I love you. Uh, the one good thing about our listeners is they uh, never keep too close a track on our predictions. Well, that's uh, good. They're, they're fun to do, and we are often wrong, uh, but uh, we do this every week, and very rarely do we get blistered for how wrong we are. Uh, so I will thank all the listeners for that. And uh, again, that's probably a good way to start uh, some crystal balls. All right, so I don't know if you know how this works here, young man, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what game is going to be played, and you're going to tell the winner uh, of the game. Uh, you, you a sports gambler there, Buck? I dabble. Dabble. You had the uh, you had the under in the uh, uh, Warrior Spurs Warrior with the Spurs dunk at the end. Game. I sure did. <laughs> that cracks me up. Uh, 5 p.m. Pacific on TNT. The Bucks travel to Boston and take on the Celtics in Game One. This is a two-seven matchup. Playing at TD Garden, uh, Boston is favored by four and a half points. Young man, who wins game seven and advances to round two of the Eastern Conference NBA playoffs? I believe that will be the Boston Celtics. No reasons? Well, I think that the coaching edge most certainly goes to Brad Stevens and the Celtics. That's not to take anything away from what Prunty's done with the Bucks, but Stevens, what he's done without Kyrie and without Gordon Hayward... Without Marcus Smart without, for most? I mean, they have figured out a way, and it seems like he's pushing all the right buttons. The home team has won every game so far this series. Not that that couldn't change. It certainly could. I just I like the home court advantage in Stevens enough that I want to give Boston the edge. The one thing about Boston is giving all of the confidence to their young talent and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and just seeing those guys be able to elevate. And you wonder if you're seeing, you know, the potential of a rising star. It's funny because we're talking about draft analysis for the NFL, but you remember when Jalen Brown was picked? Oh, yeah. Everybody, wow, what are you doing with that guy? He's, he's, he's a big risk for taking that early. And Jalen Brown has been a stud. 
And if you get if you get big games from from the the rising stars of Boston, you're going to be looking at Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving coming back and contributing to a already solid team. Yep. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'm going to take Boston as well. Um, it'd be fun to see Milwaukee, but uh, I I don't know what you're going to get from these two teams. So it'll be interesting because they're both young enough that I think we're seeing kind of the future of the Eastern Conference uh, in this a little bit. 7:30 on TNT. It's going to be the Pelicans taking on the Warriors. This is game one, so I'm going to switch it up a little bit since you won't be back with us, I wouldn't expect, before the series is over. Who do you see winning in this series, and what's the final game count? Uh, let's go Warriors in six. Ooh, you're going to give the Pelicans two wins in this. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Warriors have had a tendency to get a little bit complacent this season, uh, which is only natural when you have as much success as they've had, but they've had a, a little bit tougher time kind of stoking the fire for themselves. I think they are going to get Steph back. I don't know if we're going to see it tonight or not. And I think that the Pelicans are playing well enough and they have a tough enough guy to stop in Anthony Davis. And I like them to pick up at least a game, maybe two. Pelicans could not have more confidence. They have nothing right. to lose. You're getting Steph Curry back on a hobbled leg if you get him back at all. Um, I think this goes seven. Um, I think if you listen, if, if the Warriors without Steph dropped a game to the Spurs and the Spurs did not look all that competitive in that series, if they can pick up one. I think you can see three from the Pelicans. It goes game seven and I'll have an opportunity to kind of probably adjust my pick on this. But I think the Warriors win it in seven right now. Okay. I, I'm excited to see this. And like I said, I mentioned this earlier. I tend to pick towards my hopes, but I really hope that you see a Pelicans team that can push the Warriors because I just think it makes for a more entertaining NBA playoffs. And I like it when you get more games. Yeah, You get these two-game sevens I'm going to definitely be watching today. Uh, going over to the East, uh, back to the East uh, for another game seven. Pacers at Cavaliers tomorrow at 10 a.m. on ABC. It's at the Q, Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland favored by six. Game seven, who you got? Yeah, I'm going Cleveland. I, th I think that LeBron's – he's shown it enough times that he can put the team on his back and do it. And wh whether that means he shoots the ball 60 times, he's going <laughs> to find a way to drag that team across the finish line with him. I, I haven't seen Indiana do enough – to believe that they have a, what it takes to make it all click in that big moment. And LeBron's been in that moment so many times. So there's no way LeBron comes back next year. So I'll give you a bonus pick. Uh, you assume that LeBron leaves. They don't win the championship this year. Ty Lue gets left over. You have this scrap heap of a team. How many wins do you see for the Cleveland Cavaliers next year? Uh, I'll set the over-under at uh, 10. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go over ten, but I. I mean, I think you're looking at a twenty win team. Twenty win team. An gonna, eighteen win oh, team. God, a twenty two win team. Rodney Hood and George Hill leading the. Ugh. It's gonna be awful. Uh, there's one more series getting started tomorrow. That's Jazz and Rockets. Uh, this is a five seed against a one seed. Uh, the Rockets. Uh, they're favored by eleven in the opening game, but again, we'll pick the series on this one. Who do you have? Give me the Rockets in five. Rockets in five. That's not a bad pick. I hope we'll see something. I think Rockets in I six. I hope we see more games. I, I think it's Rockets in six. But I like I, watching I, this Jazz team. I, well, I like the Jazz, but I like their defense too. But it, the problem is they're going to have to defend the perimeter. And if uh, Rudy Bear, Gobert doesn't get away with uh, hip-checking people like he did against uh, uh, Paul George on that final shot against all of the shooters for the Rockets, it's going to be really tough. So Yeah, and, and it takes a lot to beat that 
Oklahoma City team. You know, and they they, they put a lot yeah. of energy oh, yeah, into sure. doing that, and the Rockets have had a little bit more time to recover, a little bit better rhythm, the way they kind of took care of business. That'll be interesting. And you have two guys that have a ton to prove, and James Harden and um, the other guy's name is Chris Paul. Uh, yes. And the other guy's name is Mike D'Antoni. Uh, so you've got plenty of guys that need to go out and prove their playoff uh, chutzpah. So it'll be uh, interesting to see what we get from the Rockets. But, yeah, I think they cruise in six. And uh, I'd be surprised if they're not in the NBA Finals team. But, again, I have time to adjust these picks. Plenty right, of time. I'll give you one quick bonus one. Which Who's the first of the uh, four big quarterbacks that were drafted? Which was the first one to, that you see start next year? Start? Start. Josh, well, I think Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold will both be starting on opening day. I think I agree with you. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for this fantastic radio program. The Center and the Saint is on every week, uh, 9 to 11 on Saturdays. Big thanks to Buck for sitting in for Will. He's back next week. And, uh, and yeah, we'll uh, figure out how wrong we were about the playoff picks, and we'll, uh, we'll continue to break down the NFL because, hey, there is no offseason. So good times, everybody. You have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.